everybody to First Principles Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to all environmental subjects, economic subjects, all cultural subjects, and try- technical subjects, trying to break them down from first principles. Today, we will be discussing um, a gentleman by the name of David Suzuki. And you might be familiar with David Suzuki, uh, but if you're not, he is a Canadian environmental activist. He's been very well known in Canada and I think throughout a lot of uh, the rest of the world as well. And uh, ever since like probably the 70s, 80s, right, Um, he's been around and been really a, a prominent voice in the environmental sector. But recently, he was at a rally and in, in Victoria, British Columbia, and this, this rally was focused towards some environmental issues, and he, uh, needless to say, David Suzuki had some comments that caught the attention of some people, and these comments were a bit controversial, and... Elliot over here is going to tell us a bit more about what these comments were, what was the situation surrounding them, and um, we're going to dive deeper on that. So, Elliot, please fill us in on the situation, what happened, what was it that David Suzuki said that got him into hot water, and yeah, let's go from there. Yeah, that's right. So, this uh, rally uh, happened on November 20th. Um, so a couple weeks after the ending of COP26, it was put on by an organization called Extinction Rebellion. Mm-hmm. Now, I just want to back up real a little bit, and we talked about who David Suzuki is. I have, uh, you know, he's not just an activist. He 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 was a science broadcaster in Canada, and. Uh, an academic like he has a phd in zoology and mm-hmm. uh so he's been a voice for the environmental movement for some time and he's created this foundation the david suzuki foundation that um uh continues uh to uh you know bring environmental topics to the forefront and um gets praised by actors from Hollywood and and, and such. So he's got mm-hmm. a it's a very big uh uh you know organization that he's developed around his name and brand. And I just want to say just quick comment on that. Yeah. Um anytime somebody has a foundation named after them <laughs> it always like I don't know. It, it, it obviously it, it's not 100%, but it's just to me, it's like a mm, little suspect. A little suspect. Is, is it a, a bit little, like of a uh, God mentality? The, like a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's just like I look at, you know, yeah. other examples. Well, we have like the Bill Clinton Foundation. The Bill we and Melinda Gates Foundation. Yeah, we yes, have the yeah. freaking uh, Hillary Clinton Foundation. We have the freaking Rockefeller Foundation. I don't know. Like all those foundations. Mm, it, it's sometimes like a. So it's like a front for something else. But I don't know. Again, maybe my, my skeptical side kicking in there. But um, anyway, sorry. Well, we can actually <laughs> – there's an interesting circumstance that uh, arose because of uh, David's Suzuki's comments between him and his foundation, which okay. I'll bring up a bit later. But okay. I just want to bring to everybody's attention um, a bit more information about who who this Extinction Rebellion group is. Mm-hmm. So um, Wikipedia says that it's a global environmental movement 
with the stated aim of using nonviolent civil disobedience to compel government action to avoid tipping points in the climate system, biodiversity loss, and the risk of social and ecological collapse. And they were founded in uh, 2018. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know much about this organization, but having uh, looked at the circumstances surrounding uh, David Suzuki, I, I basically just saw the rally they were putting on and, and kind of the ideas they're putting out there. And I mean, they're your bread and butter environmental activist group at, at this time. Uh, and, um, you know, they I have no reason to believe they are associated with any types of violent uh, acts uh, in the name of their their messaging. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, they're putting on, you know, putting on protests and, and organizing those, but um, they're nonviolent, right? According not, to not, Wikipedia. Wikipedia says they're nonviolent. And uh, yeah. should but there no, should be no concerns. I have no reason to believe they are are not what they say they are either. And I okay. think that's that's what I need to make clear. But Mm-hmm. Let's go. So, a little bit of setup. So, basically, how these kind of rallies work is, you know, a group of people come together, mm-hmm. and the, the organizers say, "On this date, we're going to meet on this bridge or this location in town." Right. As a group, grab your sign, grab your family, grab your friends. We're going to march down the road. Grab your kids. Grab your kids, mm-hmm. and uh, they will walk down some streets. They'll end at some building, and then the organizer will have speakers come up, give some talk about uh, whatever it is. And right. in this case, David Suzuki attended. He, he did the walk by the look of things, and at the end, he got up on some steps and and gave a speech. And then, because it's you know it's a protest, you have me- different media outlets coming to to report on it. And uh, mm-hmm. it was actually an organization called Czech News that um, uh, interviewed David uh, Suzuki and got the comment that got him in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. So uh, keep that in mind, but we can just, let's uh, play the, the news clip that got him in trouble and see exactly what he said. Hundreds of people gathered in downtown Victoria today holding a funeral for the future. <laughs> Protesters marched from Centennial Square to the legislature in what they called a funeral procession. This event comes after the COP26 climate change conference, and protesters say the talks fell short. With this funeral for the future, Extinction Rebellion Vancouver Island hopes to bring attention to the climate emergency and are calling on the government to act on it now. We're in deep, deep doo-doo, and they've been telling us, the leading experts, for over 40 years. This is what we're come to. The next stage after this is they're going to be pipelines blown up if our leaders don't pay attention to what's going on. We're in deep, deep doo-doo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that I, I like how um, he, how conscientious he is to not swear, and yet he follows that up with claims or potential threats of blowing up pipelines. So I, I like how he's keeping it PG there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, nice. It, it, uh, yeah, you you wonder he probably would have had if he had said shit, he would have been like that would have been cut from the yeah. new the news bit or they but, wouldn't but, but be, not the blowing up of pipeline. pipelines bit. <laughs> and, and that's exactly what got him in hot water. I mean, a lot of people analyze this as being uh, a threat. 
um, you know, it, when you say uh, if you don't pay attention to something and pipelines mm-hmm. are going to blow up, that kind of on paper. So is Extinction Rebellion, was that started by him? No. Okay. No. I uh, don't have the founders on hand, but he, yeah, he is not a founder of that or uh, that group. Um, mm-hmm. So it sounds pretty bad. Uh, and eco-terrorism is this, I want to say it's not, it's, it's really not a new idea. I think the extent of blowing up pipelines has come back into vogue in some extreme way uh, or ex- in some extreme groups um, mm-hmm. because of the narrative that mm-hmm. things are so dire and we yeah. are doing things so poorly to manage yeah. things that this the the means of blowing up pipelines is going to ju- be justified and yeah. and and david is basically you know saying that uh not that he's going to do it but that there are people of this mind that think that's justified and these these things are being discussed so well i, w- I would argue he is of that mind too Right. That would be my impression too. However, I've cut uh, sections out of his entire speech um, that he gives at the end of that rally to give a bit more context into the mind of David Suzuki, what he is saying at this day and age. Um, And this is the speech that I don't know if he did it before or after that interview with the, um, the Czech reporter, but... Uh, I think you got to keep in mind going to a rally and being uh, doing, you know, it's an act of civil disobedience. This, this idea of, of kind of uh, you're walking down the road, you're blocking traffic. Well, you're, no, 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 no. I'm going to pause you there because all in order to do that stuff, you have to get permits. So it's like, it's civil disobedience, but not really because it's permitted by law. Right. <laughs> right. But I can tell you that, uh, when you're in one of those types of rallies, um, whether the you know police are there to n- navigate you down the road and everything, that there is this feeling when people have signs that there's this energy, there's this uh, it's a crowd co- mentality, crowd mentality, the mob mentality, mob mentality. You're, For sure, and and everybody's frustrated about this right. idea, and like you've got like, all kinds of extremes in 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 that group, 100%. and uh, uh, it's not uncommon to hear fighting words from people at these at these things a bit more True. unmeasured things because of the heightened energy and that group mentality and that uh group think that happens when you're right but th- like that's from like your everyday like 18 year old kids that are there like just chanting a bunch of stuff not from like the the leaders or like the people that are being called upon to give talks at the at these rallies, like I would have a slightly higher standard for, for those individuals. No, that, I, I would I mean, have a higher standard right? for them too. But I'm 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 basically saying everybody's human, even David okay. Suzuki, and he and he, uh, you know, has you have to keep that in mind when right. he made that comment. Of the doubt. Now that's fair. We'll be fair. We're gonna be fair here. Well, Elliot will be fair. I won't be fair. But, uh, Elliot, <laughs> Elliot will be fair. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> You know, he got, you know he really got in hot water because David Suzuki is the type of guy that goes after politicians. He says has said right. things about yes, Stephen Harper, mm-hmm. about current uh, who was a, a prime minister in Canada for a number of years, uh, and he's he's saying things about um, uh, Jason Kenney out of Alberta, right? Alberta, and, uh, yeah, premier. And, premier, and uh, you know, so he uh, 
when he makes comments like this, people criticized him for inciting violence, and uh, he basically, uh, 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 you know, got a lot of media coverage to the point that his foundation basically came, came out and put together a seven-set tweet uh, or set of tweets for start first starting with um, a clarification that you know David was not advocating for violence and that they okay, are wait, 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 hold, so on, hold on hold on hold okay. on and that even they are not uh, directly like the feelings of David Suzuki do not, not do not directly correlate to the feelings or ideas of the David Suzuki Foundation. Oh, so wow. they were very oh, qu- wow. very quick to uh, distance themselves uh, from <laughs> <laughs> the man that the foundation is is, the, is named the, after. Just to, be, <laughs> just, just, just to be clear, the ideas of the David Suzuki Foundation do not reflect in any way, shape, or form the ideas of David Suzuki himself. <laughs> or vice versa. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they don't. I'm sure, but like, <laughs> wow. What yeah. A, that's hilarious. So they have to come out with like a tweet deck defending the uh, the foundation because I'm assuming they got like probably shellacked in, by people saying, hey, what the hell are you guys talking about? Exactly. So eventually they issued uh, a public apology, a written po- public apology. It's not too long and I want to I wanna read it to you. Okay. So please do. Statement and apology from Dr. David Suzuki. On Saturday, November 20th, during a media interview with Czech News after a protest in Victoria, BC, David Suzuki gave the following answer when asking what might happen if government leaders don't urgently address the ever worsening climate crisis. Quote, we're in deep, deep doo-doo, and the leading experts have been telling us for over 40 years, this is what we're coming to. The next stage after this, there are going to be pipelines blown up if our leaders don't pay attention to what's going on. Dr. Suzuki's comments were born out of many years of watching government in action while the climate crisis, crisis continues to get worse. He has issued this apology, quote, The remarks I made were poorly chosen and I should not have said them. Any suggestion that violence is inevitable is wrong and will not lead us to a desperately needed solution to the climate crisis. My my words were spoken out of extreme frustration and I apologize. We must find a way to stop the environmental damage we are doing to the planet and we must do so in a non-violent manner. Okay, well, kudos to him for coming out with a little clarification there. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I'd be curious if behind closed doors what his true feelings were. If we were to have a glass of whiskey, you know, massage the back a little bit, get him a little open, you know. Smoke some of that BC buds and see, <laughs> see, <laughs> and see what David Suzuki really had to say, you know, <laughs> after that. But okay, good, good for him. Good for him. Clarifying things a little bit. Short, Appreciate sweet, uh, you know, uh, an apology is uh, of that form seems inevitable uh, these days when you are mm-hmm. uh, targeted, right? Um, so questioning whether he did this out of you know sincere uh belief that he's uh, sorry for it or not that remains what it is but the wording of it is such that uh i want to give him the benefit of doubt and i think we what we want to understand is a bit more of what he is saying 
And to do that, I have basically taken some interesting points that he was making during his about 20 minutes beach on the staircase uh after that rally so mm-hmm. wait but before we get into that i yeah. do want to actually touch on one of his comments that he said so uh dur- during that apology mm. he it, it stated that they were born out of many years of frustration mm. right? extreme frustration extreme frustration so i'm i'll be curious as to okay you had you've you know i guess he said for 40 years we've been saying this so so you have many years of frustration it's been building up it led to these comments and i'm wondering what is it that would disinvalidate those comments or or what what changed for you to feel as though those comments were inappropriate what was it which again, I guess, like going back to what I said before, was it, is it the social pressure or was it your, your true sentiment? Because if it was born out of many years of frustration, then that's what it makes me feel as though it's it is actually your true feeling, right? Because if if because if you have all these data points, right? You've been talking about for the last forty years, you've had many years of frustration, it's been building up, and then this is the reaction that that would point to me to say that th- that 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 reaction was actually much more natural and in tune and in line with his true beliefs as opposed to his follow-up apology which was more maybe reactive to the blowback and again like me i don't want to be too much of a skeptic so i do want to give him kudos for coming out with the apology but again how it was worded just that that wording in itself it really like made it stand out to me uh, uh, it was born out of many years of frustration so i'm like okay so so then that would make me feel as though what you felt was totally legitimate right mm-hmm. because it's, it's come from many it's originated from many years 40 as, as a matter of fact uh, things aren't being done. COP26 just happened, which again um, uh, was kind of like the the inspiration for having this rally and w- was a thing where a, it's not enough, right? COP26 wasn't enough. So a- again, if, if that is your natural disposition and then another thing happens, COP26 happens and again, it's like, oh, another thing of these politicians, oh, screw this, it's going to be blowing up. I feel like that that's a very natural progression to to happen psychologically for somebody of that nature of David Suzuki's nature and then the reaction would have been what would have caused to, uh, a, a an apology to to come as opposed to any legitimate reflection and say hey you know what maybe that's too far a violence yeah ecoterrorism that's not really my thing I don't know. Maybe I'm just being no, too this much is, of a, this is, a skeptic. I, no, no, no. I uh, this is what I think. So mm-hmm. I, I think he made those comments, and had mm-hmm. they not got him in hot water, apology would not have come forward. Right. I, I think he, and but I personally, I do not think he was advocating violence. I think he was just stating that he is witnessed and he mm-hmm. un- understands based off his own frustrations that there could be people out there right. that would take it to the next level and this mm-hmm. is just going to be the reality of our future. I think that's genuine. And I simply stating genuine. that is, to me, not that crazy or something you should apologize for. I think radicalization and people getting frustrated is a real thing and just like cyber attacks are becoming a real thing on pipelines, um, mm-hmm. you know, blowing them up is 
you know, there's different ways of doing this, but people might mm. feel this is being justified. So him simply putting that out isn't isn't uh, something worth apologizing for. In fact, I think what I, I noticed in his apology, he says, or he says, any suggestion that violence is inevitable is wrong. So suggest any suggestion that it's inevitable is wrong, but violence happening is very is very real <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah, yeah. but suggesting it's inevitable mm-hmm. is is what he's is saying was right. wrong about that statement um mm-hmm. but i think a lot of people so, so it's not the violence itself that's the issue it's implying that it's inevitable it's like hey if you guys get your ad together then it's not a nodal but if it is i don't know so it's just gonna look down so, <laughs> so yeah is that is that consequence of the whole apology itself <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think people got yeah. it got it's it twisted. A, it's I, a good. Uh, I think. Uh, just, sorry, just on that. I think yeah. it's just like a good way to highlight how words can be really manipulated and used in such a way where you think you're hearing one thing, but you put one comma here, one comma there, one extra dash hyphen word there, and then all of a sudden it's got a different meaning. So it's a very clever by Mr. Suzuki, Dr. Suzuki. Doctor. Smart man. Smart man. Mm-hmm. Good with mm-hmm. his words. Yes. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you think yeah. I do with a PhD is like, you know, he's uh, he, he understands how to use the tongue to pen his ideas together and whatever, but it is what it is. And you'll see like in some of his speech writing that he, you know, he got up there and he had a piece of paper in his hands um, but he barely looked at it. He had a good 20 minutes down packed. He knew what he wanted to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's an activist. He's there to yeah. sh- change people's mind, to shape their, uh, you know, to. He knows the stuff by he, heart. He knows know? the stuff by heart. So. He's been doing it for 40 years um, plus, at least. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think he, uh, he, he does know when, what he, 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 and what he's saying, you should, you know, uh, understand its meaning. Because he does believe in it. Um, oh, yeah, 100%. So basically, uh, this first clip that I took was just his intro from uh, one of the organizers there. Uh, just to set the tone, let's listen to that before we get into the actual uh, uh, speech of his. I want to introduce the next speaker, and I don't really have words for the impact that this man has had. He has been a voice for the for nature for the environment, for our understanding of the world in which we live. Not as nature as our life support system. He has been a stand for us belonging to the earth, not the earth belonging to us. Dr. David Suzuki. All right, so that's, uh, that's the intro there. You know, mm-hmm. um, not sure what the crowd was. You know, uh, ex- exact size of it from the angle that you watched him uh, on YouTube. You're just seeing a few, you know, stragglers behind him holding their signs. There's like a young mother with her daughter there holding a flag. Um, uh, guys in military jackets. Uh, a lot of sad-looking people, to be honest with you. Sad. Uh, uh, no during during the yeah, I know, crazy, right? <laughs> Talking about the end of the world and yeah. not feeling happy. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I just uh, you know, you got a pretty warm and welcome. And uh, I think uh, I just want to touch on how that dude um, 
highlighted the uh the, the introduction or the the end of it and how just like the, that statement where we of framing of how, how how do you view yourself in the universe i think it's really important to touch on that because it's a it big really, part it of, really yeah. shows the 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 overall world view that these people are approaching their 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 life their decisions with right so he's saying that we uh, so people are made and they belong to the earth not the earth belonging to people so it's kind of like where is the fundamental breakdown with which you are analyzing the world what is at the more fundamental level is it the people or is it the earth and this right? is the underlying uh, principle on which you, David Suzuki and his organization uh, base a lot of their decisions hmm. of what should be done and what's right. It's it and you'll it's the idea that the earth and life within it. Uh, so what I mean by that is like water, uh, which you know, uh, and uh, and, tr- and a tree and the birds have. Uh, you know, a right to be here and, uh, you know, they, they're currently not having a voice uh, and uh, um, they're not resources. These type of ideas underline the, um, it's, it's not a religion, but it is the, the it's, it very much is the fundamental belief system, which a lot of these people are feeling, I think. Yeah. It's it's, yeah. it's it's their alternative to religion, I think. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, ultimately, it comes down to a substitute for religion because it really shows how they're coming from a more, almost like a paganistic worldview because like paganism is all based off of the mother nature and the, the goddess of the, the, the rain or, you know, the winds and the sun and the Thor moon and, and yes. you know, all, yeah. all, all these things and how... With a a more religious worldview, you 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 value people as the the ultimate creation. You value life in the form of a human being as the ultimate thing that holds the greatest value. Not a rock, not water, which are inanimate things that don't don't have feelings they don't have emotions they don't have desires and pains and dreams and all these things some would argue they have a conscious uh, i mean yeah if, if you're <laughs> no, <on a> panpsychism <laughs> yeah then you're like yeah consciousness permeates but even if that was true there would be a distribution to the degree of consciousness too right because we could say okay maybe a rock is made of fundamental consciousness particles but then i would argue that the consciousness particles that make up our brains are formed together at a more higher and complicated level and come together to create something much more beautiful than the consciousness particles of a rock. So just uh, since we're on panpsychism now, <laughs> talk about that. Uh, but, but again, it's just like, it, it's, it's, it's so interesting to see the, uh, like how such a small statement, his statement about how we, we come from the planet or we are subject to the planet, not the planet subject to us, and just shows the worldview that literally, like you said, dictates the fundamental actions that they pursue from that. 100%. And you're going to see that this is very in line with David Suzuki's thinking uh, in uh, throughout his speech. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's... Uh, uh, 
to me kind of speaks to why he's there at this 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 rally um because they're he, even though he's not a founder of um of uh, extinction uh, rebellion he uh his message has aligned with them and probably you know may even help you know birth you know uh the extinction rebellion because it yeah he was starting back in the 70s and 60s right Mm -hmm. you know so um yeah so but uh let's uh get into the first bit of his speech and uh hear what he's got to say I am here to rebel against the tidal wave of extinction that threatens the very future of our children. We are here to bury the mindset that is driving this extinction spasm. Extinction is is part of the normal process of evolution that has enabled life to adapt and flourish as conditions change. We are here because an asteroid smashed into Earth, sending a shower of debris that cooled the planet so that the dominant cold-blooded dinosaurs died out and enabled our warm-blooded ancestral mammals to emerge from their hiding places and flourish. Of all species that evolved over 4 billion years, 99.99% are now extinct. Nice little history lesson. A little history lesson there. Yeah, <laughs> the fra- framing of uh, a couple of things. A framing of this idea of extinction uh, and uh, he has... Uh, is talking about how l- different forms of life have gone extinct on this planet. Um, and his last little comment there that 99% of all life has gone extinct. So the concept of, of a species uh, coming and going on this planet uh, is, uh, is something that is common. Um, yeah, well established. Well established, fact. right? Nothing, Nothing groundbreaking new. there. No, and I want, but I did want to point out that he begins with the idea of putting this mindset to rest. He wants to bury it, and I think what was going on at that rally is they were bringing some sort of container or coffin, and they're putting stuff in it and burying it. And yeah. his idea was like, you, you'll understand later on. He thinks there's this kind of mindset that we currently have that uh, needs to be buried. Mm-hmm. Um, Hence the funeral symbology. Yes, yes. Which is a bit confusing, though, because when you hear that first news clip, um, I think the... The, the news anchor says they're holding a rally f- to uh, a funeral for the future. And when you say a funeral for the future, it sounds like funeral for... Uh, right. Us, future right. humans, <laughs> yeah. right? You know, uh, oh, right. Is, it a, is it a funeral for us and future humans, or is it a funeral for these ideas that we're trying to? Well, bury? I think David Suzuki is taking it from a different angle than what uh-huh. might have actually been going on at that uh, that rally. Okay. So yeah. mis- miscommunication. Yeah, they're not in the same PR message, the same PR wave. No, no, and I, it's, I, I, it's I, an interesting introduction though for yeah. him, where it's like where he's talking about this um evolutionary history that he's going into i'm curious like oh, how that uh, how he yeah wh- where he went with all that because i think i think you're gonna hear more okay. in the second clip about that yeah let's, yeah let's, let's listen to the second clip the planet is not in trouble 
It did fine for four billion years without us and will carry on after we're gone. Nature will survive, although in a much different form, and will re-flourish again in the, as it has in the past. On average, invertebrate species lifespan is about 11 million years. That's the average length uh, an invertebrate exists. On average, the lifespan of a mammalian species is one to two million years. You see where he's going with it a bit clearer? Uh, it sounds like we're doomed to like extinct ourselves. It seems like that's what what he's, I guess, leading towards. That if we don't stop these actions, we're going to lead to extinction of the human species. That's exactly right. So basically, okay. he's he's pointing out these are kind of the averages of these different um, organisms of how how long it takes them to go extinct, and uh, he's kind of saying we are. Um, on a fast track because of that, mm -hmm. but that it is our own extinction that is ultimately going to be of, of concern. He's going to say, even if we, you know, killed ourselves and took out, a, you know, a thousand more species with us, the world is going to carry on. The sun's still going to continue to shine on it. New organisms are going to come to life. And this has been the evolution of the, of the world right. what, from his point of view. So it's like mm -hmm. the, that is the, 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 I think what I've understood his point is that like um, it's us we're talking about and mm -hmm. our decisions and what we're doing that uh, mm -hmm. is going to lead to our extinction and we're in a fast course for it. So that's the frame of mind that he's uh, he's kind of beginning his talk on. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I have some comments, but I'll, I'll refrain until I hear more. Sure. Let's just jump into the next clip then. Yeah. Okay. The United States Fish and Wildlife Service declared 23 more species are now officially extinct, including the iconic ivory-billed woodpecker whose last official sighting was in 1944. There's no mystery to why species are vanishing so rapidly. We are the cause. There are too many of us demanding too much from Mother Earth. We're the top predator on the planet. And there's no reason to think that somehow we are immune from extinction. Okay. So the point I wanted to make here was more of an observation it's not not i'm not going to go out and try to fact for fact dis, uh, dispute what david is saying here but he let's talk about what he says 99 percent of the organism's life on planet has gone extinct at one time so extinction happens because extinction has happened uh, before humans and it will happen after humans so and under this model so the the at any given time if you have uh, billions of different species on the planet. At any given time, the ex you know the extinctions must be happening uh, periodically. I, I mean, to me, it under this model, under you know, there's going to be events where there is uh, you know a cataclysmic uh, disaster, disastrous event that wipes out a ton of them at a time. But I also think there are constraints within resources and ecosystems that uh, lead to uh, plants and animals going extinct. 100% mm -hmm. humans cannot be taken 
out of that equation and have and our actions pro are driving things extinct but i just want to make that a very clear point it's like the I'd be curious to understand how this is determined exactly how we uh, establish which things are going extinct precisely uh, off of uh, human uh, 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 action and how many are going extinct uh, as a result of consequences that have been going on for a long time. And this, I guess, comes back to some of the debates we have around CO2. And, and I'm again, I'm not... I don't have any data in front of me that says we aren't accelerating a ton of them. But I just want to say that under this whole framework, if 99% of all things have gone extinct, there are a lot of things that are causing extinction that have nothing to do with humans and they have existed before us. And that is just the reality of it. So when he comes mm -hmm. in and says, there's just no question that it's what we're doing and, and we're accelerating this and, um, <laughs> Uh, it it feeds this uh, this guilt complex which underlines the uh, the environmental movement, which is the hatred of the self for what we've inflicted on the world, and uh, uh, it's uh, some of it has validity for what we've done. Some of it doesn't. I just feel like just, but I feel like already I get the vibe from David that mm -hmm. he he's he's just perpetuating this yeah. this kind of mentality. And yeah. honestly, what you said to me right there made me realize just how dumb everything this dude has just said is <laughs> <laughs> well i'll take that as a compliment <laughs> yeah okay but but, but no but take this in take this in i'm gonna break it down watch watch oh my god why okay just listen to, this, listen to this okay so how did he start off his whole speech the mindset the mindset and we're going to extinction we're going to extinction uh but before that he talked about the dinosaurs right Talked about the, the the dinosaurs and how what was it? It was it was an event that an asteroid. He he very beautifully um, described the theory, not proven, but it, it's it's the most likely cause that we know of. That there was an asteroid that hit the Earth, led to a shower of particulates into the atmosphere, blocked sun rays, led to cooling, and led to the demise of the dinosaurs ultimately so that if we're to to define that event we would say that was a catastrophic cataclysmic event that led to a bottleneck right a, a bottleneck in the the overall what's the word the the overall genetic distribution or diversity the overall, of life yes the, the, diversity of life genetic distribution gene yeah. varieties that that are out there right right so and in in history in in um in not only in human history but in in the history of uh, of species of life there have been actually many multiple events that have been uh, proven and shown to um as bottleneck events meaning that they were extremely catastrophic events that led to the destruction of let's say 99% of the genetic variability and only a small subset of species were able to come out of it um and then eventually lead to the regeneration of multitudes of different species so on and so forth 
So we, ha- we have this scenario of a catastrophic events. Then th- that is presented by Suzuki. Then we have a secondary scenario where he's stating how human behavior is in fact accelerating the, the extinction of species. So when, when we look at accelerating, that, that it implies going, going faster. But then when we look at his first example of an asteroid literally hitting the planet. And That's pretty fast. <laughs> That's pretty damn fast. It's pretty instant. By definition, a cataclysmic, catastrophic Especially event. for those dinosaurs that were directly under the impact. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so you're going to start off your whole freaking case by saying, but with this beautiful story of this asteroid and the, catac- and the cataclysm that resulted from it, then you're going to follow that up and say how humans are actually accelerating the extinction of species really beyond an actual asteroid coming in from outer space smashing the planet to the degree that there's tons billions of tons of of debris that is smashed into the atmosphere that blocks really this we're doing stuff that's more cataclysmic than that hmm that, that that's that's accelerating extension beyond that i don't know i don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> and, and, hence my claim of how I realized how dumb everything that he just said is. <laughs> well, the thing is that asteroid has no conscience. Yeah, it doesn't know what it's doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, nope. I, wow. I, you see how that brought that full circle? I was I good. Know. That was good. I wasn't sure where you're gonna go with that, but uh, <laughs> that was that was <laughs> like where the hell is yeah. this? <laughs> <laughs> this is that. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. It's just. Uh, but like, is it, it's it's such a glaring contradiction in in his speech, and yet I don't I don't think it's yeah it's probably didn't even cross his mind. Well, it's it's one of these things where um, the the events like an asteroid hitting the planet and uh, um, or uh, another. Uh, predator wiping out uh an you know the an anthill as he goes for uh something and you know it's it's this idea these things kind of are fine those are that's nature that's not humans we're not part of nature i think it goes back to that kind of the distinction there's something different in the mind of 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 people that think like this um that separates human action from all other things that are happening in the world and in the universe mm-hmm. right so it's there's it doesn't matter in a sense that uh, uh if if uh, if a bear is out competing a mountain lion exactly and leads to his that mountain lion's family dying that's terrible but eh, that's nature right is is kind of the but if humans are doing, doing that, that we are we actually have the moral capability to realize it's wrong and actually uh, correct course. And yet we are the uh, morally culpable species, the, 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 the detestable species of the planet. Interesting. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. But let's, uh, let's continue mm-hmm. on with this because it yes. is uh, got a few more clips of what he's saying. Okay. So next clip coming up from the speech. 
The anthropogenic, that is the human-caused mass extinction, is happening because we have changed the way we see ourselves and our place in the world. You see, the way we see ourselves in the world determines how we act towards it. For most of human history, we knew we were deeply embedded in and utterly dependent on nature. We saw ourselves as a small strand in a complex web of relationships with all other species of animals and plants who were our relatives, not resources. Plants and animals provide every bit of our nutrition and create or capture, cleanse and replenish our sacred gifts from nature. Clean air, pure water, rich soil, and energy from the sun. So right away you hear him using words like sacred, which just kind of goes back to the whole um, religious belief system mm -hmm. around this. And, and not to say, honestly, and my personal opinions on this is, is there is uh, you know something a deeper connection that uh, is worthwhile pursuing with with nature and the planet? So mm -hmm, not totally. to, not not I'm not trying to go against that, but what uh, is very clear to me listening to this is it's like you know this is uh, this is a sermon a preaching about <laughs> um, the uh, the the this this belief system is what he's really doing to the uh, to the group of uh, mm -hmm. uh protesters and um, that's it that's 100 percent what it is it's, it's a, he's, yeah. he's the pastor he's yeah. a priest he's he's uh, pledged his faith to the cause he's demonstrated it and uh n now he's teaching the the future generations he's he's carrying the tradition forward and like uh, his comments of like how like Again, going back to like uh, this human accelerated catastrophe and how we believe we're at, at the center of everything. I mean, yes, there there's truth to that. Yeah, there's a certain certain human ego that that goes to play, but it's like yes, we use resources, and when it comes to other species, though, I'm curious of how he makes this distinction that for all of humankind, we were subservient to nature or we were, uh, what was the terminology that he used that we were like hmm. in closer uh, connection, yeah, relationship? We were close connection. We, we weren't using nature as a resource, but rather it's kind of like we were in a symbiotic relationship or I don't, I don't know, like it just seems, um, yeah, go, going back down this whole idea of what what is more valuable is is it human propagation or is it propagation of nature? And not to say that the two are necessarily contradictory to one another; the two can go together. But in certain views, I think there's like maybe three points of view. Mm -hmm. One is that no, they like in his his point of view, no, like human desires and nature are kind of contradictory to each other because human desire pushes us away from nature we want to dominate it we want to control it and um and it's a zero-sum game then there's an another frame of view that says uh, no nah, like whatever like w nature doesn't nature is like whatever it doesn't really really matter 
we we don't really uh care about nature it's it, it, it it's it is what it is and then there's like that that third that which is like maybe like like a balance of the two where you're kind of like okay there's value in nature but then there's value in humanity and is there a way that we're not working against we're not antagonistic to one another but we we can work in such a way where we value humanity we value people we we, we don't say hey there's overpopulation so stop having babies but rather we 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 acknowledge the value of people and how life is beautiful in nature because nature is life but also that the ultimate beauty is culmination in the individual in the person because that is arguably the most beautiful form of life because it is the highest form of life in my estimation obviously people like david suzuki would probably disagree with what i just said but that's that's my view anyways right so and it, there is this clear uh evolution of humans within the last 200 years which is so astonishing in the sense that like there was a time when we felt that the environment had a greater threat on our existence whether it was through predators disease uh, and now we've moved to this modern age where we are fighting off disease as fast as it may attack us uh, or we're putting rockets on, uh, testing rockets to see if we can knock asteroids before they hit, hit us there is this accelerated uh, technical ability of of the human race to uh uh, allow itself to exist basically uh, among the universe and and the elements that might prevent it from existing right mm -hmm. um and the growing hubris as well as that of the result of that is you know so obvious to me like there is um and as much as i i am of the mindset the positive optimistic mindset that we can overcome challenges and we'll always be able to do it because we have such capability in in our numbers and um that's fantastic coming along with that is a huge hubris thinking that we are above any anything and and mm -hmm. and what we, can, we can't do any wrong because we'll figure our way out of it and and mm -hmm. and there are you know uh, shaky right. grounds that you can stumble across onto because of that right. line of thinking so you know what he's saying not getting the ego too big too inflated right right and and thinking that we have because i think what i often uh, uh uh challenge people to to reconsider is that you think you you uh you're were that much better than nature uh you need to first get out of society and get into nature and realize just how vulnerable you still are you yeah we have groups and numbers and we've done a lot of things but like mm -hmm. um and even even us thinking in our cities for you know the 30 for 30 years everything is going fine it, it doesn't take much to see really what uh what can be thrown at you from quote unquote nature uh to really shake things up uh you know so i think it's uh uh what he's pointing out dave is pointing out although uh, uh, uh misguided i don't agree with some of it uh is but his thing about hubris and our evolution of of our relationship with nature has definitely changed no doubt about it and i mm -hmm. think we need to keep it in check for uh, sure yeah i mean there's no doubt our relationship with nature has changed to to me, it's just a question of what is 
our our fundamental duty towards what what is our duty towards is it towards right. human propagating life. human life kind of similar to the elon musk uh, point of view where we want to be a multiplanetary species we want to go on to mars and colonize because arguably what david suzuki is saying is is true there is extinction that happens and it's almost inevitable for every species and we who are we to think that we are so different right so is so is our is our duty to humanity and preserving humanity or is it towards preserving nature I'm of the opinion that they are not mutually exclusive. People like David Suzuki is of the, are of the opinion. I think it seems that they are growing to be mutually exclusive, and we kind of have to pick. We kind of got to pick because when he's making statements that, that like we're overpopulated and we're using too many resources that yeah. we can't sustain, yeah. then it's kind of like okay, you it's either path A or path B. You can't have both. And I don't agree with that, but that's, I think, where Dave Suzuki would be coming from. Yeah. I, I, and I think this is a, it's old school thinking that we've, we've seen before in mm-hmm. Planet of the Apes from right. uh, Michael Moore and Jeff Gibbs. We've seen Check it. Check that episode, Planet of the Apes. That we did also. Even in our episode on the rational optimist, we discussed some of the thinking um, Malthusian ideas about population growth and um, the ethics and and thinking of people around overpopulation. So, but it is, it's, you know, one of the things under a belief system is they establish a hierarchy of what comes first. And you can really see here, I I would even say, I get the sense David Suzuki is uh, preaching a belief system where humans animals and plants are are put on way closer to an equal one where um you know depending on where you are some people you know put humans ahead uh this ahead this animal ahead that animal ahead it gets really you know it really varies between people but i really get the sense he's he's you got this system where you basically it does you know it's not as clear cut to him if you know he's got that pipeline's got to blow and kill <laughs> how many people to save the fish I, I, you know well, I'm, oh. <laughs> what choice is gonna make yeah, yeah. I, I don't know yeah yeah you might pick those fish i don't know i, I mean not not to uh, no i'm just joking about that last bit there not but like it's his, it is uh, i yeah. do believe yeah he the the closer um uh, he is putting the the, yeah. the value of of life he on, is. On, on on different organisms which i think is higher. false my 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 personal opinion is false because to say that you're equivalent to a tree is like, it's like what are we doing here, man? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, a tree is an incredible thing, but and that's the but part of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's just like, and he would argue, oh, that's just your human ego telling you that you're more special than a tree or other forms of life. To which I, I would say, yes, it's my ego, but it's also objective truth in 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 my opinion because we're able to formulate complex ideas about our nature and our universe and self-reflection and extrapolating towards the the, um towards how things will will change in the future and impact societies and like it's it's so much deeper than what a freaking fish can do right i don't know Uh, so, so to me it's like it, it, it again further exemplifies how it's like the the anti-religious religion 
you know what I mean? It's like it's like the non-religious religion. It, it's it's a religion in and of itself by removing all the other elements that religion has propagated because religion does say that humanity and the life of the or coming from a more judeo-christian perspective that the value of the individual is number one right god finished um or uh god created man as his ultimate creation it wasn't the it, it wasn't the the water it wasn't the, the dolphins the dolphins it, w- it wasn't all these other things it was it was it was humankind humanity which was drawn up in an image of god and now this podcast isn't meant to be religious and stuff but it's yeah but i do i, th- I, I, think, I think it's, it's important, important to highlight for- those differences right where those because again first principles we're understanding what are the first principles of somebody like a david suzuki versus the first principles of um somebody else with you know maybe even more religious world point of view and how how with suzuki's first principles point of view of the world lead to his actions kind of like how you said how that that little subtle shift in the mind of how we are subservient to the nature as opposed to nature being subservient to us how that dictates the actions that he then takes to you know push his causes forward and, and such a hundred percent yeah and i mean this uh just came to mind uh but it's uh you know whether it's the ideas of an environmentalist and ideas through other um religious uh teachings uh ideas through uh, people have developed through um sci-fi i I see examples because there's the the cheeky one from um the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy where you know the the planet is earth is being destroyed for an intergalactical highway and uh most humans are going to get killed except for the main character but these the two species that leave the earth are the dolphins and the uh uh, mice and and it was the author was douglas adam is playing with the idea that like it's like the human ego to thinking that we were like the the most intelligent ones on the planet. It's like dolphins lived this free environment where they floated around and had sex and raised children and played and all this stuff. And it was, they were the actual enlightened beings on the planet. And then beyond that, the mice were the ones that were actually building planets. It was ridiculous, but it was like, it was a great way to poke fun at the idea of like, we had no idea where, what things were going on and, and right. what is a true hierarchy hierarchy of, of yeah. species and, and, on, on and intelligence is it that we're stuck true. in nine to five jobs and looking right. for you know or is it right. the dolphins you which, know? which goes back to that other world you are like oh you think you're on top of you, you mr human all high and mighty with your ego but like put you, put you in your place like there's mice that are better than you <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. all right, i guess if you say so sure <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh but yeah let's uh okay i got a couple more clips and we'll finish off what he's saying from that speech but over recent millennia we have come to think we're different and special because our intelligence has enabled us to escape the constraints and limits of nature 
from spears and stone axes. Our tools have become too powerful. Telescopes, microscopes, enormous machines, chainsaws, scuba gear, computers, and space satellites. And that overwhelming sense of dominance with us at the top is driven by resourcism. A mindset that regards everything around as a potential opportunity for us. I love Resourcism. It. Resourcism. There's wow. a there, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. There's a term for you. Demonizing resources. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Um Wow. I just like just take that in. Resourcism. Resource <laughs> <laughs> Like what? You discriminating against the resources? Like what? <laughs> now I w I'm going to take a stab in the dark and say what, what resourcism is it under David Suzuki's mindset is the idea of picturing everything as a resource right. but as a term it, it does I was like uh you know, when you think of someone being resourceful, that's not a negative thing. You think about uh, using resources. I've never really considered He's a that. Resources, uh, resources is yeah. <laughs> He's a resources. Yeah, that, that you know, it actually does come and kind of sound like a pejorative, yeah. but it, it's like you. Uh, What's the definition for resources of like? Yeah. What does like Merriam-Webster <laughs> dictionary tell us say about resourcism? Uh, the insustainable consumption of a resource some could be considered negative but i think Res resourcism is defined by its neutrality about what constitutes the good life it therefore assesses how well people are doing in terms of their possessions of the general purpose resources necessary for the construction of any particular good life interesting interesting that is not what i thought it meant and ties into actually what he says a little bit later on um well i mean in a sense it is because it's like defined by having uh resources in your life but it's uh, it's what did it say about the quality of life or the perceived quality of a good life? Uh, based on what resources you have accessible, basically. So therefore, it says how well people are doing in terms of their possessions of uh, the general purpose resources necessary for the construction of any particular good life. So it's essentially saying the how good is your life is based on the resources you have accessible to you. Right. And his next uh, question uh, or criticism uh, is about you know, how much more do we need? Uh, don't we have enough to live the good night, good life? Da-da-da-da. Mm -hmm. And, and he, I can... He, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm just going to say it just falls in line with that definition. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Because uh, another kind of uh, definition that I'm seeing as well um, is saying how the ideas behind resourcism stems from ideas that humans are above and apart, not part of the natural world around them which is kind of again similar to what he's saying how we as humans we see ourselves as being separate from nature uh as being at the top of the hierarchy top of the food chain whereas in reality a better reflection would be that no we are we are part of nature we're not separate and above it we we are one component of nature um which is like i guess like a subtle difference in in worldview that that would would uh, explain how he comes towards the these things that he's saying of how resourcism is a bad or something. But uh, let's jump into that next. Clip yeah, yeah. And see what I he's think saying. he expands on that? it from there. Hopefully, I clipped the right part. 
Politicians in the business community continue to push for more and fail to address the important questions. What is an economy for? Are there no limits? Are we happier with all this stuff? How much is enough? What are the necessities of life? Why isn't it illegal for anyone in the world to be a billionaire? We learned, we learned from the IMF that globally, the fossil fuel industry, the most profitable sector in society, was subsidized in 2020 by $5.9 trillion. That's $11 million a minute. Yet the rich countries will not provide the $100 billion annually to help the victims of climate change. The Guardian, the Guardian last week showed the long history of lies put out by the PR industry to confuse the public so profits could keep coming to the fossil fuel industry. Yet the fossil fuel representatives are at the table of every single meeting to confront the threat of global ecological destruction, including 503 official delegates to COP26. While youth, indigenous people, and Angos were reduced to begging to even get in. Damn, mm -hmm. that was. Uh, I think that clarifies it. That clarifies it, right? <laughs> yeah, and uh, I only caught for the first time uh, uh, him making the point about the uh, one billion dollars pledged per year from the uh, previous COP uh, agreements uh, that was not met. Uh, Hundred billion. I think I keep screwing that up. A hundred billion, right? And this is something we discussed in uh, another podcast that we did when we looked at uh, the, la the last COP twenty six um, mm -hmm. uh, meetup and what was what was was achieved. But the idea is that he's uh, saying, you know, uh, while s these large subsidies going to oil and gas are occurring um, in the billions. Uh, you know, countries aren't uh, aren't putting together the hundred million, hundred billion for. Um, uh, I think he said though in this, like the victims of climate change, which I didn't think that hundred billion was specifically for addressing victims of climate. This is worldview, man. It just right. it just shows how he sees the world. Like the, the is probably like the developing countries he sees as the victims somehow, or. I don't know, man. Like, but when you hear him say something like, "Oh, why? Why is it not illegal to have billionaires? Why?" Do you see the crowd? Why do they have billionaires? The That's crowd like, response to that <laughs> too. So okay, so yeah. so this, this is what I hear from that. This is what I hear from that. I I hear, and and, and then so I hear from that coupled with his previous statement of resourcism, quote unquote, is that this this dude is essentially somebody that does not believe in private property because if mm. he did then and, and and he and he didn't okay so so that so why do i say that so he he's he 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 made the statement against resourcism aka um treating yourself outside of uh, nature thinking that uh, it's, it's all about gathering resources and, and viewing things that it's all about accumulating resources, which is, which is 
true in a sense, right? It, it but it, is it is that something that's unique to humans? Do bears not acquire resources, or squirrels acquire resources as they're preparing for hibernation for the winter? Are they not? hoarding a bunch of their nuts or whatever food that is so that they store it up in fat or whatever for a bear so that way when they're hibernating they have enough energy to get them through that uh through that winter it's like okay so he's saying resourcism is bad meanwhile he he, he points to nature as being good but meanwhile, if you look at nature, you see resourcism in itself. So there's a, there's, a, there's a contradiction there because if you're pointing towards nature, towards what is good, and if in nature you see these same behaviors of resourcism and then humans are then replicating it in terms of accumulating more resources, then it kind of shows how you humans are actually mimicking what is in nature well, and how it's yeah, actually... I, I think it's pretty obvious to me that it's programmed into anything that's living to ultimately make the pr- a priority them living and them reproducing. If it wasn't, they right. wouldn't exist. Exactly. So it's like the concept what what and you do that with resources. You do that with resources. You do it with resources too. With, with tools, with with right. spears. And you know what and else's resource? It's community. Having family, friends, having a community around you. That's also a resource. It's like, is that bad? Is it bad to be resourceful and see the value that others can bring into your life? That's actually a good thing because it creates more interconnectedness. It creates more community because you look at somebody else and say, hey, you can bring me value with your skill as a blacksmith and I can bring you value with my skill as a carpenter. And you know what? I don't have your skill and you don't have my skill, but you know what? Let's be codependent on one another let's actually let's actually create linkages where i don't have to know what you know and you don't have to know what i know but we we can kind of use each other as a resource is that bad like no i think that's that's what a society is built off of however i want to go back to your initial assertion that he is anti-property and and get us back to why we why you think so is that so that's where i was going to tie into the second statement of how first he's anti-resource next he's anti-billionaire and as soon as you put those two together then to me that shows two things where you are anti-people having property because a billionaire is somebody that has accumulated wealth to the point of having, to the tune of having billion dollars, right? And if if he views that as an evil, then why is that an evil? Because he's, he's accumulated resources. And he just said resources were bad. He's accumulated resources to the point where his net value is equal to a billion dollars. Right. This is this is not good. This is evil in his eyes. This is the this is the cardinal sin, according to the priest, right? Because he just said resourcism is a, a fast track towards um, uh, a, an extinction of our species. He, he he just made that claim. So hence, how could he possibly live in his worldview justify the existence of a billionaire because a billionaire would be the the classic case study of the worst person that exemplifies that resourcist quote unquote mentality that's interesting and and what i i kind of take from this is that 
he when he says the uh, statement about uh, there shouldn't be billionaires, I feel like he's talking in a sense uh, about uh, greed. Basically, he's talking about um, he's talking about he's a stereotype of a billionaire that in the it, where it's just a given that for order for that individual to have be a billionaire, that must mean that they have done terrible things uh, in terms of pillaging uh, the land and resources to achieve that end. And, and, you know, um, and it would be different than a government taking X number of dollars from to make a billion dollars yeah. to give to 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 totally do, deal totally different right? But now, you know, one was an agreed upon mutual exchange of value. The other one was just government seizing your property. So yeah, he, but he's it, much more. In I favor think of it, that. it's a it's a more, it's a cheap way of getting a cheer from the crowd. Everybody hates the. Uh, the elites, the 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 proceed, you know, the idea that there's these capitalist pigs, uh, you know, totally billionaire guys just ru- running things and ruining things. Um, mm-hmm. So it, that uh, it definitely to me is like, especially the 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 whooping and cheering, you know, that's in there for a reason. And and not only that, but he is an authoritarian. Like how so? Like I'm gonna follow up. Again, using only, uh, everything I'm saying is based off of his words. So he follows that up with saying, um, look at all these fossil fuel uh, people. And at the COP26, there was, they had 500 representatives there. So what's he saying? He's saying people that represent the fossil fuel industry, they don't have a place at the table when these discussions are taking place. You, you are not welcome, according to... From from what I understand, Davis Suzuki's point of view is based on those statements because the the animus with which he spoke of how these fossil fuel industries are being consulted when these types of policies are enacted goes for me to sh- say that they they don't have a place at the table and it should be such that we make these decisions and. Don't even and you know the fossil fuel industry they're they're a key player. I mean they're hey they're the ones that are actually doing this whole thing, but they shouldn't even be at the table. We we should just come up with the things that we want them to do, and we should just tell it to them, and then they should just do it. That that that's why I say he he's he's an authoritarian because if he had it his way, based on how he described the, the, how he painted that picture. Fossil fuel representatives have no place at the table. They, they, they don't belong. No, they're, they're the ones that are propagating this whole idea of resourcism, right? This whole <laughs> claim of resourcism, whatever the hell it is. Um, and it's, it's not up to them to, to make these decisions. It's for, it's for the government. It's for COP26, for the people who come together. It's for climate rebellion, whatever, extinction rebellion. It's for those people to make the decisions and then pass it down and then he and he's all about stakeholders we're not even including all the other stakeholders well who's the biggest stakeholders maybe the companies that are actually doing all, all this stuff so you'd rather have all the other stakeholders there such as uh, indigenous groups such as um environmental groups such as all, all these groups so all the key stakeholders but then the number one stakeholder who is the actual company that is in fact doing all the things that are, are being done to generate these resources that you're complaining about they don't belong at the table. So that's why to me, I'm like, okay, wow, that's interesting. I w- interesting. I want to pl- paint a, 
another pitcher in an attempt to be a bit of a devil's advocate to okay. what David Suzuki might have been saying there. Okay. As an exercise. Sure. In so he's saying it could be that he is just saying that listen, there are more seats being filled right now at the cop table by uh, these guys in big oil and gas and big oil and gas has an incentive to continue doing big oil and gas things because that's their bread and butter. Yep. And uh, that he's trying to poke at the, uh, at the idea that they get it guaranteed and we don't get to hear from indigenous groups and the youth. They're, they're not, they have to fight harder to get into these things and they would provide a, a more diverse arguably more balanced as a result viewpoint if they were allowed to come in greater numbers to these things the the points that you bring up are so are valid in the sense that like oil and gas are making energy for a lot of people and it is their bread and butter so they have the right and uh, deserve to be there amazing i think that however i'm just thinking that saying that he's anti them showing up at all isn't is is beyond what he said although it could be extrapolated from it <laughs> okay <laughs> so okay fair enough they yeah. just say okay yeah he didn't say exactly throw them all out but i mean given the way that he was speaking i guess 100 percent, 100 percent. but i will he get, didn't technically say it word for word but yeah <laughs> I, I would argue that like the, the energy the vibe the energy was given the vibe the, the energy got the fucking vibe you bro. got the vibe <laughs> Uh, last clip yeah let's let's close this off and while politicians now hold the power to make big big decisions affecting the very future of our species their actions are always constrained by the prospect of the next election net zero by 2050 ha what a joke Canada has never met a single target it has promised to meet in yet and every politician in office today trumpeting net zero by 2050 will not be in office by 2050. So who is accountable for that? No one. Exactly. We have become too smart for our own survival. We are so puffed up with our intelligence and knowledge and importance that we elevate the systems we have created, the law, the economy, politics, above the laws of nature. Yet those human-made constructs are the only thing we can change. So then I guess by that logic, we shouldn't do anything towards climate change because we can't change those things. We can only change people. We can only change the things that we have, <laughs> the human constructs of... Uh, oh man, this guy is so incoherent. Like he, he says like contradictory things like two sentences in a row. Like, I don't know. Well, let me, go back. View, let me go back to what you just said there though because under his uh, uh, model, it's that the things that we have constructed, like coal fire power plants and all, anything that emits, 
that is is driving climate change. So I guess he is essentially saying we need to change those things. Those are human constructs. We have the ability to change those things. Um, right, right. Th- those are the technological things that we can change. It's just the way that he said it. It it, it made it seem as though we can only change our behavior we can't change the environment we can't change nature Nature, yeah so then it's like but this whole thing is about changing nature yeah (laughs) there's this complex (laughs) thing i know again even he perpetrates the distinction between nature and humans in a in that way um which is interesting that too exactly he separates it but you know uh Okay, what I, what I agree with right off the bat uh, is, you know, we've said it before that there is a fickle nature about the political system and their ability to um, make long-term plans due to the change in, right. you know, every four years, eight years. Election cycles. Election cycles that comes, uh, you know, makes things difficult and really makes it easy for people to say one thing and not do it, uh, you know, who they aren't being held accountable. But right. the discussion around the cop, um, you know, uh, uh, the cop targets and, and uh, Canada not meeting their targets, this uh, is something that uh, has kind of been bugging me recently because it's, you know, it seems that we consistently are not meeting targets. Mm-hmm. That's what, you know, who's coming up with these targets, <laughs> uh, you know, and there's always arguments the next time you meet up, these groups meet up about how to change these targets so they can they can meet them. One pushes them in one direction that's further and harder to achieve. The other one tries to pull them back. It's like this this game of yo-yo uh, you know, mm-hmm. t- or tug of war, I should say. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I get it. It's, it's frustrating. I, I think it's frustrating too. Uh, we were talking on our last podcast about, uh, what would be the measure of like a, a good meeting and a, a mm-hmm. meeting that was considered a successful, what would that look like? And right. we said, that's a meeting where people would come together. There's an objective. They sit down, they agree on the objective and they leave with actions to meet the objective. And then they go out and do meet that objective. And that is by far not what we've ever <laughs> experienced in any of these cop <laughs> yeah. meetings before. But, no. um, you know, uh, I think there's a, uh, discussion about these targets that warrant further analysis um, before we criticize the inability of a country to not meet them and uh, not something that I want to discuss in depth on this episode, but I think understanding some of the reasons why uh, targets aren't met uh, would bring to light a lot more than the the fuss, you know the simple offhand comment that you know a country never exceeds its uh, or never meets its targets uh mm-hmm. that's just that's just kind of a throwaway statement that that pumps mm-hmm. people up or fu- or angers people um yeah because it's like what's the what's the cause i guess be oh. maybe more productive way of having a conversation like what leads to these targets not being met are the targets being too stringent are they probably not stringent enough according to david suzuki himself mm-hmm. uh wh- what is the cause and 
I think for people like David Suzuki, it's it's irrelevant. Honestly, it's it's not important. It's it's more so about what. And you you know, his his statement in the end is really interesting because he says how it's it's about changing our actions. It's about changing laws that are the laws of society, the laws of governments not laws of nature we can't change laws of nature that's it that's his statement right so then i i i start to think okay if you can't change um if if, if you if you ha- if you can't change laws of nature you have to change your own laws so then wh- what are you what are you proposing because he, he proceeded that statement with okay we have four-year elections we're bounded by these laws we're bounded by our politics so that like what what, what is what what are you proposing then, dude? Like, are you proposing just like breaking our total legal system? And because then that would point towards your previous statement of this whole t- bombing of the pipelines to be actually a genuine feeling and not one that comes out of nowhere, right? When I when you hear those types of statements, when he finishes off like. W- where like it, we're in such dire situations and we need to control human laws not 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 nature's laws then it's like okay w- where are you going with this bro <laughs> you know what i mean well, this goes because back- it goes back to like you're going towards eco-terrorism that's what you're going towards that's exactly where you're fucking going towards there's no other conclusion i cannot get now out of my head the image of dictator david suzuki as <laughs> for, like once you brought up authoritarianism i i it didn't even occur to me when i was putting together these clips but I, you know under our, our you know, based off this analysis and listening to what he said and you know <laughs> if dictator suzuki was in power <laughs> he basically would say no billionaires <laughs> Uh, we got to do X. We, we, we we're not going to do election cycles because election, election no cycles are, are are inefficient, inefficient for targets. Nope. So we we need to rewrite laws and yep. get everything on board. Check check check. Boom. It's one of these. So we I, protect it, the nature. So we protect the environment. Whatever the hell that means. What by any means and whatever that means. And this is uh, because we this, are subservient to nature. Because so. we are subservient to nature and we shouldn't rise above it. Right. <laughs> if these aren't setting off alarm bells, when you actually think about how these ideas would be enacted, you need to check on yeah. uh, check on history and to be you know uh, because. Yeah, it, you know, I didn't even think about that. I, it's crazy that we ended here, but it really is telling uh, that uh, you know it's telling of of, of w- what exactly he might be suggesting as a solution, even what though he never, he, yeah. yeah, what he's envisioning here. If he's pointing to these things as being the flaws, which we've gone into, you can point to things as being flawed all you want but you got to come up with a better solution to them because yeah. it's not sufficient and your solution can't be just tear down the system and it can't be dictatorship exactly it, right. because it just doesn't work <laughs> great for the dictator yeah until he gets his leg caught off by the other guy that wants to be a dictator it's uh yeah i mean um Hopefully, we, we presented David Suzuki in an interesting way that made you think about him in a different light. I certainly did and do following um, following this discussion. And I, so I, does his foundation, the David yeah, Suzuki Foundation. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> who, who, 
who bears no uh, connection to the thoughts and ideas of David Suzuki himself. Uh, no, no connection, no relation, no relation, no relation. <laughs> but yeah, man, I think that's a, that's a good discussion. Uh, David Suzuki, man, he's such a cultural figure. And growing up, even for myself in middle school, like I've heard from this guy for so many years. And at one point, I would have really looked up to him as somebody that was really pushing the conversation towards more environmentalism, more um, just being more conscientious of our impact on the on the environment, which I totally agree with, and I'm I'm so down with. Yeah, it's just when you when you see those those messages kind of be taken and then radicalized and then repackaged towards this this i don't know this thing which which to me doesn't even resemble what i even recall but from from being a child and hearing about david suzuki and his ideas from the beginning but maybe it's just like growing up and you start to understand things on a deeper level and you start to see people's biases and maybe it was always there or maybe we're it's just being developed even more so because he's becoming even more skeptical of nature of society i don't know but it uh, but i do want to say how my views of david suzuki over time have shifted and how I do see him more as, even though I do agree with a lot of his his concepts, a lot of his points. I think we we both do. We we both want uh, towards uh, having more accountability towards what is our impact towards the environment and um not and 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 really doing it in a concrete way though that still values the human and values kind of like what we discussed in our previous podcast values the the rights of people that are come from impoverished countries to be able to have energy in their households to be able to have electricity via maybe coal production via fossil fuel electrical combustion you know or combustion to electricity via fossil fuels so it's it's just man it, it's 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 a it's a tough problem to solve first and foremost and I just I'm not a fan of people like David Suzuki that are just so radical with it. Like we shouldn't have billionaires. We need to get rid of our political systems because it's four years. It's not enough time, and we need to change our ideas of of resourcism. It's just like, dude, like I don't know. It just loses me. You lose me with that type of stuff. No, I think a lot of people get lost with that type of stuff too. Absolutely, and I want to say my recollection of david suzuki uh was similar to yours Uh, it was never about politics uh or i the his politics went over my head perhaps when i was younger or certainly his activism in in its more extreme forms i don't have a memory of of thinking that i was more uh interested in what he was saying about uh, our relationship with nature and diversity and um, the, the diversity of life and, and, and ideas of protection, protecting mm-hmm. um, that. Totally on board. Right. And, but it's, I think it's like, as you, uh, as we kind of seen here, there's another side to the man. He mm-hmm. obviously, he's now more political and more, more of an activist in uh, the way he, uh, he, he speaks. And, uh, and obviously he's doing this, you know, speaking gig for Extinction Rebellion tells you a lot. Um, so you know, uh, you, it's hard to say if we don't we didn't know him as clearly uh, when he was uh, when we were younger. So he might have always been like this, or made this might be the new David Suzuki. Uh, mm-hmm. Interesting. You know? 
Let us know what you guys think of David Suzuki. Do you guys agree with a lot of what he's saying? Do you think he's kind of wonky based off what we're saying? Leave us a review in uh, the YouTube comments or if you are on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star review there. Check us out on Spotify. Check us out on our website, firstprinciplespodcast.com. Wherever you get your podcast, we are there. And uh, yeah, that was First Principles Podcast, the uh, episode on David Suzuki and some of his controversial comments that he made recently following COP26. And uh, any any last uh, comments before we close off there, Elliot? No, just if you haven't listened to our COP26 episode, go back and check it out. It fits in nicely with yes. what we've been talking about here. And uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed. All right, take care, guys. Peace. Break down from the ground up. Thank you.